Well, good morning. It's so good to be back here with you today and to share God's Word. Take your Bible, find Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. I heard about a, or read about a guy, a story about this man. He went to the doctor and when he went to the doctor, he said, Doc, he said, I am, I am hurting all over. The doctor said, well, okay, we'll have a seat here. Let's, let's see what's going on. And uh, so the doc said, well, why don't you, why don't you just kind of tell me where you're, where you're hurting? The man said, what? He said, doc, right here, you know, right here, I hurt there and hurt here and hurt here. I hurt here. He said, doc, he said, everywhere I touched, I just hurt. I hurt, I hurt all over. So the doctor said, well, let me take a look. He began to examine the man. He began to look him over. And he came down to his index finger. He said, well, here's the problem right here. You've got a broken index finger. Everywhere, everywhere you're touching on your body, that, that's why it's hurting. Now, now, I share that kind of silly little story with you. Because today, what I want us to do is I want us to consider what may be actually the single biggest problem that many of us face. I think the issue when we consider our walk with Christ, we think about the different ills that we may face. We think about the different ills and situations in our society. But today I want to talk with you about what I really think may be, for many of us today, this morning, the single biggest issue we may be facing. And that is this, we have a wrong view of God. I want to just ask you this question here. When you came in here this morning, what did you bring with you? Many folks, when they're coming in to churches all across the land this morning, here's been the situation. They're coming in with what they think is the world's biggest problem, and they've come into this place or places like this with what they think is a big problem. And it seems that they're coming to worship what they would never tell you, but in reality is a small God. That's why this morning I want to redirect us back to a passage of Scripture that, that indeed may be familiar to you. If it's not, it really ought to be. Now, folks ought to be careful, I think, whenever we say, this is my favorite, this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Because all of the Bible is God's inerrant, perfect, infallible Word. Amen? Amen. But isn't it true that there are just certain Bible verses sometimes, or certain chapters of the Bible, that, that when you're really hurting, when you're really wondering about things, you'll want to go back to those chapters or those verses in the Bible. I think about Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 must be, many have said, one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. I mean, there's a reason why so many folks have memorized John 3.16. Because right there, in one verse, you have the essence of the gospel. Isaiah chapter 40 ought to be on the list. Now, like I said, I try to be careful whenever I say, you know, this is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. It's kind of like saying, you know, I have three children. It's kind of like saying, well, well, this, this, this child here is my favorite child. Now, my two oldest children think that my favorite is my youngest daughter, Jenna, who's with me today, um, but now that's not true. I love all of my children equally. It's just sometimes I just like Jenna better. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just, I'm just playing. 
I'm just playing. The other two would say amen to that. They say, well, it seems that way. And no, I'm just totally picking. But Isaiah 40 is one of those chapters of the Bible that I found myself going to in years past over and over again. And really, it was a couple weeks ago, Brother Kelly, is when I was, I was traveling actually to another church on a Sunday morning to preach. And I was preaching, in, I think, in the book of James. And I was listening to something off of my telephone, and, and after that message stopped, it went right into a podcast where, where this speaker, his, his name's Paul Tripp, maybe you've read some of his books, Paul Tripp was talking about how many of us have amnesia when it comes to the awesomeness of God. And it just reminded me of Isaiah 40. He wasn't even talking about Isaiah 40, but it reminded me of when I read Isaiah 40 years ago, I was preaching it about 10 years ago, and I went and I studied it. And in my own Bible reading this year, I haven't come to the book of Isaiah yet. But what I did a couple weeks ago is I just went to Isaiah 40. I didn't stop my regular Bible reading. I'm just kind of reading through the Bible. I highly recommend it. I would encourage you to do that. It's one of the easiest things you can do in your walk with the Lord is just begin some type of a simple Bible reading plan. You don't have to make it complicated. There's all kinds of ways you can do it. You can just start at the beginning of the Bible, read all the way through. You can go to BibleGateway.com. There's all types of sources now. I mean, resources you have at your fingertips to read God's Word. But there's something about Isaiah 40. I just kind of added that as a supplement. And I just began to go read that and meditate on that the past several weeks. And it has just encouraged me in my walk with the Lord. Because here's what happens sometimes in our lives. We will begin to have amnesia when it comes to the awesomeness of God. I mean, one of the things I so appreciate about Brother Kelly, in fact, when I called him the other week, well, now it's, it, it, it was really at the beginning of July when I found out that he was going to be facing heart surgery. I called him on the phone, and, and in the past couple of weeks, we've talked a few times, and, I, and I'll ask him, how, how are you doing? Are you, how are, you, are you able to even sleep at night? I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, when, you, when you're facing a, a, a major surgery, I know how I would be. I mean, I would probably be pretty wrought up. I, would, I might would have a hard time sleeping. And this is what he said to me a few weeks ago. Now, maybe it's gotten a little harder because I didn't expect they were going to have to wait. I didn't expect them to have to wait quite this long for the surgery. Praise the Lord, it's a, it's a week from tomorrow. Amen, church? And I know you're praying for Brother Kelly and for Brenda, the whole family. I'm sure she's been a very capable nurse. This is not the ideal way to celebrate your anniversary. But, but, um, but this is what he said to me on the phone. He said, no. He said, you know, he said, I'm just trusting the Lord. I, I know. He said, I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm and that's one of the things I want to just say as a word of appreciation about Brother Kelly. I can remember times when I would sit next to him here on the front row. Um, and we were getting ready to have church services back in the 90s when I served here on staff. And I was so encouraged by his example of not always trying to, you know, uh, maybe... At light. I'm not saying he, he acted like he always had the tiger by the tail, but Brother Kelly, you always had a, had a peace about you. Even when your family went through experiencing some very serious tragedies, and even now facing this surgery, I've always, Brenda, I've always been so encouraged by his, what I'll just call, simple yet profound walk of faith. And folks, that's what I want to call us back to today. Isaiah chapter 40. Stand with me if you would in honor of God's word. Isaiah 40. I want to remind you really today of one point. This sermon really has one point, and here it is. God is awesome, and His comfort and strength 
is all we need. Let me say it again. God is awesome and His comfort and strength is all we need. Would you just say that with me aloud? God is awesome. His comfort and strength is all we need. Look with me, Isaiah 40 verse 1. The Bible says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Doesn't that just bless you right there to know? That God wants you to know that your comfort, your comfort is right there at the top of His agenda. And He says this, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Really, Jerusalem was a euphemism for God's people. And cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. Isn't isn't it good news to you today to realize that whatever you've been suffering through, whatever warfare you find yourself in, that it is ended from God's point of view. Isn't it a blessing to know that whatever you need to be pardoned from, that that pardon has been secured because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The Bible says that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries. This reminds us of John the Baptist. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places plain. It's kind of like this. God says, listen, if there's a mountain there, I'm going to level that. If there's a valley, I'm going to build it up. He says, I'm going to make a straight way. I'm going to plow. I'm going to make a road straight to you. So you you can know that I will never ever waste any time, choir, getting to you when you are in need of comfort. God turns on the blue lights and He's there in a hurry. Verse 6, a voice cries. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. Though the grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. And isn't, doesn't that, isn't that what it seems like? It seems that in so many ways that our lives are fleeting and, and our lives are but like grass that withers and flowers that fade. But yet, look at verse 8. The grass withers, yes, the flower may fade, but the Word of our God will stand forever. That's why in our times of need and comfort, we come to God's Word and we're reminded of the greatness of God when we read chapters like Isaiah 40. And then he says this, Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. And that's simply what I want to do today, church. I want to call us together to behold our God. God is awesome and His comfort and strength is all we need. Verse 10, Behold, the Lord God comes with might. That's strength. And His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense before Him. He will tend His flock. Now here it is. Strength, but compassion. He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Now believe it or not, we've already preached through the first 11 verses. We're really just going to now be encouraged by the rest of the chapters we look at and we walk through it together. Because here, here's, here's, here's what I want you to really get. The point's this. 
God is awesome. His comfort and strength is all we need. But now I want you in the rest of the chapter, I want you to see why that is so true. I'm going to give you some comparisons. And I want to just pray that God will strengthen and encourage our hearts today to never, ever, ever lose sight of His awesomeness. Father, thank You for Your Word. And Lord, I thank You for the testimony of our pastor. We pray, Lord, for those who will tend to His body and His physical needs in the week or so to come. But God, thank You that His soul is strong and strengthened by the Word of God. By Your greatness, He trusts. Lord, I pray for Brenda and for their family and for this dear church family. God, thank You that You are our great, strong shepherd. God, You are awesome. May all of us today be reminded that Your comfort and strength is all we need. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you and be seated. You see, there's a real risk. There's a real risk. What we will do is so often, what we'll do is we will look at other things and we'll say, oh, that's awesome. In fact, I finally did something that my wife Jennifer had been wanting us to do really since before we, before we got married. When we were dating and when we got engaged and we got married, she said, one day I want you to take me to see the Grand Canyon. Well, this past June, we were out in Arizona for the Sun Baptist Convention. We were able to work it out where Jennifer and our three children, we were all out there together. First time my kids had ever been to the Sun Baptist Convention. And at, when it was over, we drove up to the Grand Canyon. And we stayed for a few days in this other place, beautiful area called Sedona. And uh, we went to the Grand Canyon. And I remember my, my 17-year-old Melissa, who was, who was born when we were serving here in the, in, in the 90s, she said this, she said, Dad, she said, a picture just doesn't do justice to the Grand Canyon. Someone, someone will just need to see it with their own eyes. And I remember when we came back from that trip, Brother Kelly, people would say, well, what was it like? Did you guys enjoy your trip out there? We saw some things that Melissa put on Facebook and, and, and this and that. I said, oh man, the Grand Canyon, it was fantastic. It was so great. And man, by the way, near our hotel in Sedona, there was this ice cream place that just had the most fantastic ice cream you've ever tasted. Now, isn't that crazy? In the same breath, I was, I was comparing one of the natural wonders of the world, the Grand Canyon, to a scoop of ice cream. Now, the reality is, I have to tell you, that was some of the best ice cream I'd ever eaten, all right? And, uh, and I wish it was closer than, than in Arizona. But, but isn't that silly? And, and, and that's what I really, as we walk through this, I want you to catch a glimpse of this, is how, 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 how easy it is that we so often waste the idea of awesomeness on other things. Let me challenge you with something. When it comes to awesome, save that word for God. I, I know it may be a fantastic cup of coffee, but it's not awesome compared to God, all right? I mean, I know Krispy Kreme donuts, and I think y'all still have one down the street here. I know that they're fan, but not hot now signs on. I know people come running, but that's not awesome compared to God. So I want you to see some comparisons. I'm going to give you five right quick this morning. Verse 12, the Bible says, Who? Who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand and marked off the heavens with a span? A span, by the way, just take your hand, kids, like this. It's just like this. It's the width of your hand. You see, God is more awesome than this earth. The point is being made that, that when all the waters of this earth were, were created and dispensed upon the, 
the face of this earth. It was as if God, in His greatness, could measure all the waters of this earth in His cupped hands. That He could measure the dirt with the... Well, how much, how much dirt should we use? I'll tell you what, let's use about that much dirt on the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but that's an awesome God. Now, you all live near the ocean. And I did a little bit of research. I just want you to understand how massive the waters on this earth are. Over 300 million trillion gallons of water are in the world's oceans. Now, by the way, even when a person says million trillion, that's almost a made-up number, okay? I mean, if you do research on, on numbers, you get to the point that numbers just begin to get way beyond human comprehension. And usually when people talk about the, the amount of water in the ocean, if you look it up, it's, it's most likely going to give it to you in cubic miles. The issue is, as most of us in this room, we don't, we don't really think about cubic miles. That's kind of hard to get your head around. But most of you have picked up a gallon of milk, right? And so when I say 300 million trillion gallons, I want you to understand just how massive that is. But yet, the picture is that God scooped it up in His hands. This is how much dirt, the, the span of my hand. I'm going to use this much dirt. I remember one time, I ordered three yards of mulch to be delivered to my house. I quickly came to learn that the mulch man understands yards different than I understood yards. I think what he means by that is three very large yards that need mulch. I had all this mulch delivered, and I don't know what that mulch was doing in my driveway when I won't look it, but it was like it was multiplying, I'm telling you. I'd come out and I'd shovel, boom, shovel, wheelbarrow, dump, spread, shovel, wheelbarrow, dump, and it seemed like that went on for days. Yet when it comes to the dirt on this earth, God is so awesome that it's pictured in the Bible that He could measure it with the span of His hand. I want you to hear me, church. God is awesome. His comfort and strength is all we need. Say it with me. God is awesome. God is awesome. God is more awesome than all the nations. Look at verse 15. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. I love, I love this comparison. He says the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales back in biblical times. They would use scales to measure. It was used in business. And if a little bit of dust was on the scale, that was no big deal. Who cares? It was inconsequential. And he says here, the nations are like that. The nations are like a drop from a bucket. Now, this afternoon, let's say you go out in the yard. Maybe you're going to wash the car. You're going to water the plants. And you fill up a bucket of water. And you pick that bucket up by the handle. And you begin to walk to where you need to go. And all of a sudden, let's say a drop spills out of that bucket. Now, I doubt anyone in this room is going to take that bucket, throw it on the ground, put their hands in the air, and go in the house in absolute total despair and say, well, my day is wrecked. A drop came out of my bucket. I mean, that's why we have this saying. It's like a drop in a bucket. It's no big deal. And the picture here is the nations themselves don't even compare to God. Let me just remind us today of some of the nations. The Egyptian Empire. The Babylonian Empire, the Assyrians, you had the age of the Greeks, you had the Roman Empire. There was a time when it was said that the sun never would sit on the British Empire. I remember growing up in Newport News, hearing about the two superpowers, 
the USA, and a place called the Soviet Union. Now, the Olympics, the Winter Olympics are this 2018, and I'm always intrigued with all the nations that there are. You ever watch the parade of the nations when they're coming in for the Olympics, and, and, they're, and they're marching in, they got the flags with them, and have all these nations. Now, many of them I'm very familiar with, but every now and then, as that parade goes on and on and on, they begin to come across with some of these nations. And Brother Kelly, sometimes I've been like, they're making these names up. I mean, they're just making stuff up now. I mean, come on, give me a break. That can't, that can't be a nation. And the reality is it is. There are so many nations. You'll turn on the news or you'll read about what's going on in this world. And, and understandably so. There, there, there are things that cause us concern. But I want to remind you today, church, number one, God's more awesome than this earth. And number two, God is more awesome than all the nations. Number three, God is more awesome than our idols. Verse 18 says... To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compares with Him? An idol? An idol, verse 19 asks. A craftsman casts it. A goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering, he chooses wood that won't rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Oh, they, they, they had idols back then. You say, well, Brian, this is, you can just kind of quickly pass over this one. We don't really have idols today. I mean, we don't worship things made of gold, do we? I mean, that's ridiculous. Really? You know we do. We have our idols. They've just taken on a different form in a different fashion. That's why the Apostle John warns the church in 1 John 5.21, Dear children, he says at the, end of, at the end of the letter, he says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. That's why church today, I'm sure if I just walked around here this morning before service and said, Hey, do you believe that God is awesome? You say, Oh, absolutely. Amen. Absolutely that's true. I didn't have to come to church to learn that today, Brian. I mean, we've not, I've known that for years. But isn't it true that when we gather together in this place, there's a reason we need to sing the songs we sang today. There's a reason we need to hear chapters like Isaiah 40 from time to time. And I would even say, perhaps, read these chapters in the morning before you begin your busy day. It's because we need to be reminded... That as we go through our week, as we go through our days, there are times when we say, oh, my problems are so big. And all of a sudden, your God begins to seem small. And I'm saying, no way. God is awesome. His comfort and strength is all we need. He's more awesome than the earth. He's more awesome than the nations. He's more awesome than our idols. He is more awesome than any person. Verse 21, do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is He who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. By the way, verse 22, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It is He who sits above the circle of the earth. Literally, in the Hebrew language, it would read, it is He who sits above the sphere of the earth. It would be several thousand years after this was written before the scientific community would come to terms with the fact that the earth was not flat, but was a sphere. Yet it was in God's word way back during the time of Isaiah. God's so awesome. And he says in verse 22, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. 
God is more awesome than any person, any ruler. I think about some of the people who have ruled this earth. Where are the pharaohs now? What happened to Alexander the Great? All of those who were called Caesar, Napoleon, Hitler. In fact, when, when I was drawn back to studying this passage again the other week, several years had passed, and I went back and it was about 10 years ago when I preached this chapter last. And I went back and I looked at some sermon notes there, Brother Kelly, and I noticed that I had in there a note that one day even Osama bin Laden will not be doing what he's doing. And of course, now we know the rest of that story, don't we? Loved ones, wherever you find yourself on the political spectrum, Whatever you find yourself scratching your head over when you read about rulers and people on this earth, remember this truth. God is awesome. His comfort and strength is all we need. And then number five, God is more awesome than the universe. Verse 25, he asks again, he says, To whom then will you compare me? You see, nothing And no one compares to God. And nothing and no one comforts like God. He says, lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He's talking about the stars. He's saying, I want you to look out into the heavens. You see all those stars? Now you live in a big city. It can be hard sometimes with all these city lights for you to maybe see the brilliance of the stars, but... Maybe you've driven out in the country or maybe, you, maybe you've gone on a, on, a, on a cruise and you found yourself out in the middle of the ocean on one of those dark starlit nights. Or maybe even on a really, really brilliant clear night here in Virginia Beach or Hampton Roads, you can look and you can see the stars. You know, for most of human history... It was speculated that there were about a thousand stars. Hipparchus numbered them at 1,022. At the beginning of the second century after Christ's birth, Ptolemy said, well, actually I found four more. I think there are 1,026 stars. Of course, now astronomers know that there are over a hundred billion stars in just our galaxy alone, and probably billions of galaxies they speculate like ours. But I want you just to contemplate how awesome God is compared to this universe. He says in verse 26, Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. Jeremiah would say that there are too many stars for man to count. Yet Isaiah says God knows them all by name. I just want to give you a little illustration here. I'm going to have to read this to make sure I get it right. The distance from the earth to the sun is 93 million miles. 93 million miles from here to the sun. I want you just to imagine for a moment that 93 million miles is represented by the thickness of this piece of paper. Okay? This is 93 million miles. Our galaxy... You want to know how, how wide or how long, however you want to say it, our galaxy would be? It would be a stack of paper 310 miles high. If each 
little piece of paper equal 93 million miles. You stack them, you'd have to go 310 miles high. That's, that's the dimension. Our known universe, a stack of paper 31 million miles high. You say, well now, just Brian, I'm, my mind's kind of getting blown by this here. How, just how many pieces of paper do you, could you stack to make just one mile high? 10.4 million pieces of paper just to go a mile. And I just told you that our galaxy, 310 miles high. That's hard, to, that's hard to grasp, isn't it? The point is this. Whatever you're fretting over, whatever you're concerned with, it pales in comparison to the greatness and awesomeness of God. Amen. You see, our God is, is more awesome than, well, than the earth. He's more awesome than all the nations combined. He's more awesome than our idols. He's more awesome than any person. He is more awesome than even the universe. And yet, what is so amazing is God is so awesome, yet He cares so much about you and me. Verse 28 reminds us that our God is everlasting. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Awesome God, He is our everlasting creator. Awesome God, well, He is absolutely in charge. It is He who has the strength. It is He who has the understanding. Verse 30, even youths shall faint and be weary. And even young men shall fall exhausted. But here it is, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Oh, He is our Creator. He is absolutely in charge. And He totally cares about you and me. Say it with me. God is awesome. His comfort and strength is all we need. Heard about this little girl. She was dutifully saying her prayers at night. She said her amen and she crawled into bed and she snuggled up in her covers. And all of a sudden she opened her eyes back up and she said, oh, wait a minute, God. One more thing. I almost forgot. And God... You take real good care of yourself too because if anything happens to you, we're in a real big mess. <laughs> now listen, friends. You, 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 don't, you don't have to worry about anything happening to God. That's what I'm here to remind you about today. That is our testimony of faith. So how do you respond? I'm not encouraging you to start any kind of new program about the awesomeness of God or anything like that. I'm simply pointing out that if you're like me, here's what hit me a couple weeks ago. God, I just, I just need to confess and repent that there are times that I just seem to be 
Well, I seem to have amnesia when it comes to your awesomeness. I seem to be forgetful about your awesomeness. God, I repent of that. And so God, thank you for your word. Your word never fails, as Isaiah says in chapter 40. So God, thank you that I have chapters like this that I can go back to and I can read. I know, I believe y'all have been part of this summer, Brother Kelly's been preaching through some of the blessed passages in the scriptures. I think I read that right, Sharon. I think y'all have been going through some of that as a church and had that on the internet. You know, years ago I did a, series on psalms and I surveyed our church and I said I want to know what your favorite psalm is and I took the top 10 psalms our church's top 10 favorite psalms and I preached through them over a summer I bet you can guess what the number one psalm was psalm 23 now I guess I could have said well church Everybody likes the 23rd Psalm. I thought y'all would be a little bit more creative than that. I thought you'd be a little bit more broad-minded than that. I thought you might be a little bit more learned than that. Yet there is something about that 23rd Psalm, isn't there? There's a reason it's read at so many services. There's a reason. Because it reminds us that our God is awesome. And His comfort and strength is all we need. Isaiah 40, Romans 8, Psalm 139. There are quite a few of them out there that God has given you to remind you that God is awesome and His comfort and strength is all we need. So I ask you just to stand to your feet right now all across this room. Brother Ken's going to be down front. I just, I always find myself staring at the foot of the cross when I come to this church. At all these stones where people have written names. Well, folks, that's what you're, you're, you're practicing the awesomeness of God when you do that. You're trusting salvation to your great awesome God. You're trusting loved ones and you're crying out to God for His work in their lives. When you sing songs like you've sung today, when the choir gets up here and leads us in worship, you're reminding one another of the testimony of your faith that our God is awesome and His comfort and strength is all we need. That's why I'm so encouraged and so blessed by the testimony of men like Brother Kelly. And we should pray for our pastor. We should stand with him. Amen. We, he ought not to, him and Brent ought not to have a worry in the world right now other than making sure he's there on time August 7th. Amen. Amen. Because so many years now, He has stood by us and reminded us that our God is awesome. And His comfort and strength is all we need. And Brother Kelly, we're here to remind you and to stand with you on that truth. Not because you need us to tell you that, but because that's what brothers and sisters in Christ do. And loved ones, there's probably someone in this room right now. And you're needing some brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside and walk with you. And if you don't today... Well, you may tomorrow. That's why I want to encourage you, number one, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, won't you come forward today and tell Brother Ken, say, Brother Ken, I need to trust Jesus. I cannot be the shepherd and Lord of my own life. Maybe you need to unite with a local church family. I would highly recommend Kempsville to you. 
and encourage you to become a part of this church family and walk with people. Be a vessel of God's comfort and strength and avail yourself of God's comfort and strength. And if you've never been baptized as a believer, that's the way you give your testimony publicly that your faith, your trust is in Him and not yourself. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank You. Thank You, Lord, that You've made Yourself known to us. Lord, thank You for the testimony of so many people I know across this room. I think about many whom I've worshipped within this room are now with You around the throne in heaven. God, I think about those in this room and I think about those whizzing by on Princess Anne Road and on 264. Those who will be down at the beach this morning. And God, I just pray that You might grip their hearts as they hear the waves crash, as they see the stars in the night sky, that, Lord, You might use us and churches like this to share with them that they can know You, the one true awesome God. Lord Jesus, thank You. Thank You for Your good news, Your gospel, for being the way, the truth, and the life, and making it possible for us to know God. Lord, fill us with Your Spirit. May You work mightily in these days, in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.